Hello everybody, you're very welcome to the Open Training College podcast series. In today's podcast, our social care course director, Dr. Nolene Fox, will be speaking with Vincent Kelly from the Brothers of Charity Services in Galway about individualised services. Hello everybody, you're very welcome to the podcast. I'm going to talk this morning to Vincent Kelly, who is
back in the 70s, I'd say there were seven, the seven complex, seven accommodations in the complex, and we have taken a lease of the four. So each man has got his own. But the other three accommodations then are other families. years we're here now we've kind of built our own kind of relationships with the families as well and like we're almost like a, a little family in ourselves you know and but for the men themselves they have got a lot of space physical space is hugely important they've also got the opportunity with the extra space of having family come and visit and one man would have taken more advantage of that than the others regular basis stay for a weekend and, and particularly in the first couple of years and now he tends to go to Horbo in Dublin for a lot of work he gets the train up and he gets support going up on the train and, but that's a huge thing for him so he might go up now for a week And the relationship now is much better, it's more kind of mature, much more mature relationship. Um, another man then, his family would call out every weekend, you know, just for houses. And another, one of the other gentlemen then, um, he would be mainly communicating by phone, because all his siblings are abroad, they got into retirement age, you know. So, I think the physical space is huge. And tell me about their day support. Yeah, well, we have a total, well, we have a, it's a kind of, it's residential day suburban service combined. And it's the same team that okay. does both. We don't have two separate teams. Yeah. At the moment, we've got eight people on our team. Eight, eight people on our team. And when we talk about teams, it's one thing we've done from the very start. Never separated eight staff from one team. We've always seen ourselves as one team. So the men are part of the team as well? Absolutely. Make sure that they're, if they're not there, there's no function at all. There's no purpose yeah, yeah, in, the, uh, yeah. in the first place. Yeah. And while I have the title of being team leader, yeah. really and truly, it's the three men that we support that lead the team. Mm-hmm. All we're doing really is what they want to do and my role is to coordinate that but we do not distinguish between worker and person support paperwork will tell you a different thing because that's the way paperwork is structured (laughs) and while there's eight people paid with very little paperwork on one side we have three people supported that could possibly fill a, a room with paperwork that's just yeah. the way it is. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so the day service, we have an additional building, which is literally two minutes walk from the complex. Mm-hmm. And there we have a, a three-story building, and we've got a garden area at the back. And we do not design the programs for the men to fit into. Mm-hmm. So even we have a new man tending now, moving into an apartment, and he's coming to visit this apartment um, first mm-hmm. as a day service. He is not going to find a package of programs on the shelf yeah. to say, what well, I can do A, B, and C. He's going to come in and we're going to have a blank program for him. Mm-hmm. And we are going to design the programs around his needs. And how will you approach that? Well, it's the thing like the discovery. Yeah. Which is the part of it, and the discovery is how how we get to know the individual. Mm-hmm. I suppose the men that moved in initially, while it's a new team, a lot of the staff would have worked with them for many years, and would have known certain things, and would have learned certain parts about them through their traditional service. Mm-hmm. But it's our job then to explore new ideas, mm-hmm. and it's like. One way we might take a kind of a business approach to things. Okay. One, maybe that's my own background in myself. So, the building we have at the moment 
almost like a business return. So like the example of one would be anybody that was familiar with the burden charging service would know that it had this enterprise over many years where they used to produce impossible charts. And everybody I met used to do these charts at some stage. And they had maybe 20, 30 people doing it. It was almost like kind of a conveyor belt. And it served a really good purpose. And it was where people made up physical medical charts or used in hospitals when you go around into hospitals or the military folder. They used to make them up. That's all gone. That was all ended a couple of years ago. But these men had learned, this man in particular had learned a certain way. Right? So we had to look at what we're going to do to replace the problem. And the first thing would be, well, anybody will know if you have experience of trying to get a work opportunity or employability probably one of the most difficult things to do even in an environment where there's almost full employment it's very difficult so the other option is you make your own employment so the man we have in mind for it he just wanted something where he could kind of sit down do a very simple task and to have meaning for him, but it also had to involve a certain amount of criteria. Our objective would be that it have community involvement, which would have a meaningful work for the person doing it. It would give a gain, as in a financial gain, because we all work for money. And it would, I suppose, be a part of his program as well, like, you know. So we came up with a very simple thing. He actually came up with it. He almost came up with it himself. So we got ourselves, this may sound very simple, but the last days is, we got ourselves a shredding machine. Shredding machine? A shredding machine. Okay. Right? We set it up in the office for him to try it out. So we had to get a supply, enough papers to shred. So we went down to the local puppy office. Okay. Okay. Went in. They supplied him with all of the newspapers and all of the things he up every day. Yeah. He came back. He collected that. He sat down. He shredded his bag out of material. Mm -hmm. Then we found a guy who keeps greyhounds. Okay. <laughs> and he needed to have bedding for the greyhounds. Okay. Ah. So you're supplying the paper. So he's and, this, and he has the community involvement of going down to the puppy office. He had to arrange it. They now leave it aside for him. He brings it back. He shreds it. The guy with the greyhounds is about 15 miles away. So he goes there once a week mm. and loads up his four or five bags of shredded paper. And the man pays him two to two euro for that. Okay. It's a simple idea. You know what I'm saying? But it's what, it's what actually suited him. You know? And Vincent, did you yeah. try other things beforehand with him? We would have, and again, it's um, it's about it's about what suits the individual. We tried things like we tried to get him into an office, for example. We okay. thought, you know, this guy would be good at administration. We tried to get him into an office to do some um, maybe some paperwork in the office, and found it very difficult to find anyone that was going to take that on and operate the organisation. Um, other men who tried indoor work, but one one other gentleman we tried a lot of indoor work with him because that's what he was traditionally doing. And it took us a year to figure out this guy was actually an outdoor man. Okay. Not at all an individual at all. And how did you find that out? How did that come? We found out the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> we were almost kind of forcing things on him. Yeah. We were putting him, sitting down, and making him keep doing the traditional stuff because that's what he was used to doing. Yeah. He was doing uh, art classes, he was doing ceramics, he was doing painting, he was doing um, trying to connect things together. Because this is what he always did. Yeah. And it was kind of the garden that really opened that idea up for us. Yeah. We had access to him, taken things around, got him out into the fresh air, got him out into an outdoor space, and literally handed the guy a shovel. This is what we want to do. 
one way families are very slow to get involved. That wouldn't be unusual for to know people dealing with dealing with, with families. They don't want to get too involved. I think there's a there's always a fear factor in families that if they get too involved, there may be too much responsibility put back on them. And I think there's also a fear that somehow or another they could be left to look after the person as well. And many families at this stage, the reality is that parents have passed away or now down to siblings, siblings down to to nephews. So the you know the that gap is getting a bit wider. So, but from our experience with it, overall it's very positive. All families, it was really positive. We found that in all families there was probably one person that was amazing and other family members didn't really get involved in that. So um, I think they all recognised the benefit of home for other family members. Were they worried about it at all? Certainly, maybe with a younger person, and you're bringing them out into a community, and they might be more afraid of the risks, and you know, they might have more concerns. Um, I think they were just happy to. They felt kind of they're at a stage in life to say, "Look, let's try it." They would have had. They would have had terms of taking somebody out on a drive to see the environment. No, they came to visit the houses. Evidence of what they saw really that they really reassured them that this is what they were for and this is what they thought was best for the person or the family. You know. But overall, it was a positive feedback from the family. The involvement wouldn't have been very much hands on. For a lot of these men, they're so long away from the family. Yeah. They've been institutionalized since their teenage years. Yeah. So wouldn't it be that involved in this? And did you, at the beginning, did you try to set up circles of support for the men moving? Yeah, that was one of the ideas we had. And uh, some, it worked very well, okay. particularly in getting family involved. Okay. And one, I think, worked, worked particularly well. Yeah. And Part of one of the things we would have done, and of course we've talked about this before, as a team started out, we had a whole list of things that we wanted to do. Yeah. And this is one of the lessons we learned. We learned to slow down. But one of the things that we did do was personal support. Yeah. I think they gave us a good deal. Yeah. And this was part of the discovery as well. A circle support would have been part of the outcome for that person for that particular year as well. Like, um, so one individual aim was to get him into employment, mm. get him more involved in the community. So the circle support that was set up was a lot of planning went into it. So there was family members involved, invited to it. There were members of the community, tiny town members came, and some of the local businesses were invited to it. Voluntary organizations in the town were invited to it, and that was done in one of the hotel rooms. Okay. And it was a lot of work went into that. A lot of good stuff came out of it. Mm. Um, but I think the most positive thing that came out of it, and the one that stuck best, was the family members that hadn't really been involved prior to this. It's all in a different light. A lot of the community ones. Did evaporate a bit, mm. and it 
did it operate and I think that was probably as much as our doing than anything else because we probably pushed people into too many things and too fast and they weren't ready for it. And just take them take some tidy down didn't really make a connection. Because he wasn't ready for it. And he still hadn't learned how to communicate properly. And that caused him problems. And he never asked to go back to the down and okay. that didn't come up before. <laughs> but definitely the circle of support has got it has got a function, but no question about it. But what the circle of support we do now is very different. Yeah, what's it like now? Well, like, no, it's more like um, we sit down as a team with the individual. Mm. It's almost like we sit down maybe three times in a year. Okay. And we ask them, do you want to support you in doing what this particular idea have? Yeah. It's probably a member of the team. Mm. It could involve a family member. Could involve somebody that we think on the outside, so it's more targeted. Targeted a bit more now. So one guy wanted to sell the property. Who are you going to, who are you going to invite then? You have to target. And this is where you have to maybe a little bit of politics and a bit of thinking. You identify the people you know that can be. We have narrowed it down to that. So you still have a circle of support, but it varies depending on what the person wants to do at that time. And it's primarily key worker and other people in the team plus family. Plus family, or if there's somebody in the community that you believe in. Yeah. And not everybody in the community wants to come to me. No, no, no. You know, something about it. So, so you may have to just go to them individually and do it in a, in a different way. Um, just ask, look, can you help out or can you give us a bit of support or can you get involved in this? Um, and the other thing we did use, and early on, we used a lot of, we used a lot of volunteers early on. Okay. And that has kind of evaporated as well. Really? Why is that, do you think? I think um, there's definitely a role for volunteers. We've kind of changed our minds of volunteers a bit too. Um, like I started off volunteering. A lot of people start off volunteering and the aim is to get a bit of experience and get yourself into the line of work. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And people are upfront about it. But it's not very sustainable for the individual. So now we look at volunteering in a different way. Kind of look at a volunteer task rather than have the volunteer in your books to do everything. Okay. Okay. So if you want somebody to let's say somebody wants to go to a GA match or a soccer match, rugby match or a bit of sport, aim to identify somebody in the community that are just happy to do that on a voluntary basis. Okay. So they're not making it they're not making a big long commitment or no. Exactly. And if you say to them, look if you get them on others Unfortunately for the volunteer role, well, you see, and this turns people off, is there's a lot of, of like you must, you have to have, sign on, you have to be vetted, you have to have, and this is a big block as well, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And now you can get around that a bit in the sense of if you join a club. Okay. So if you are, uh, if you have your GAA club, you can part of the sport, you can be a member of the club. That brings me to the other thing, I suppose, it's the whole area of risk assessment and safeguarding, because these men were coming from an environment where they would have had like, very little experience of being out on their own, particularly in the yeah, yeah. How did you approach the, the area of risk and safeguarding? Yeah, well, the first thing I think you have to recognise is that there are risks. There's risks in everything. Um, there are procedures around this, and it's very important that you adhere to them, that you don't be flippant about it. Um, Arthur, look at, we'll have a go at it. You're not
not doing yourself any favours, you're not doing the individual any favours, because you are part of an organisation. There are very clear guidelines around risk. But you, also, you always have to look at risk as positive. What's positive and what's negative. And if you don't take risk, you're never going to achieve it. Simple as that. Like, keep a leaf on your class. risk in that. You've taken on a risk and it'll be a positive risk at the end of the day. The same goes for the individual and the examples we have are, as you say, how do you get somebody to go to a shop? So, we put a huge amount of work into that. We identify the risks. Again, that's a big part of discovery, is getting to know the person. Like one man, we learned he does not like crowded has got three second level schools and three primary schools. And you can imagine the amount of students that are on the streets at certain times of the day. And they congregate at shops for their lunch breaks while they're waiting for buses. So you avoid those times. You do the practical things. So this man, his aim was to go to his local shop, buy his local that in a safe way. So he had to learn all of the steps. Crossing the road, he crossed the road twice. He had to go into a shop to pick his item, pay for him, come back out, back to his house. The whole process would take him 15 to 20 minutes. So the safeguard for him in relation to the crowd was that he just didn't do that trip to the shop at a time when the school children were going to be out on the street. Avoid the risk. Don't mind to put them into a situation where you know it's not going to work for them. So you identify it. And after a while, I suppose like everything else, you see, you kind of got to know the times to go himself. Okay. Because he didn't necessarily see the crowds, but he knew what times were best to go himself. But he, he had to learn all the other, other risks at the end. Risks don't. The might change or you might lessen the risk. There's always going to be a risk. But you have to just kind of take that on board. I mean he would he learned to go to the shop and he learned to buy he learned to buy time. He learned to pay for it. He learned to come back. The mistake you'll make is you assume everything is okay. You let him off every day to the shop and you think this is brilliant the job done. You need to do a follow up. You need to constantly follow up Our experience has been everything was going grand after about seven or eight months. We got a phone call one day to say, Look, there's a problem up with the shop here. One of your men is coming in here and he's just helping himself to bars of chocolate and helping himself to whatever he wants in the shop and not paying for it. So we had to go up and address it and then to discover this was actually going on quite a while. You know? So now he's getting himself reputation. Yes. So we had to sit down with him. We had to almost strip it back in and say, listen, what's going on? You know? So he had to go back up. We had to do a bit of a calculation. He had to repay all the stuff that he thought that he, he hadn't paid for. There's more out of fear than anything else. He didn't want to bring the stuff. He's eating the stuff in the shop. Yes. Take the stuff and eat it down fast and out the door. So he had to learn. He had to redo that again. where he started doing, going into a local restaurant or a local hotel, he was passing it. Mm. And he, I think he stepped in one morning because it was raining or something. Mm. And he gave him a cup of coffee or something, which is grand. Which then he did every morning looking for a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of came to a stage where they were afraid not to give it to him. Mm. Okay. You know, so there's always those things. You cannot just put something in place and decide that's it.
can I, that brings us on nicely to the area of maintaining service because it's one thing getting a service set up and it's a separate thing then trying to maintain it as an individualized service because it doesn't become another kind of an institutional yeah. type of service. So what do you think? Tell me how we go about trying to maintain it. Well, one of the words you were talking about there is about following up, making sure that things are still working yeah. for the individual, addressing issues as they arise. But from the point of view of working within an organization, a big organization, yeah. which has all these systems and policies in place, and where you are subject to HICWA regulations, what do you think, what are the important things, what helps? What are the hindrances in trying to maintain an individualized service at that time? Yeah, well, it's, it's a constant challenge. Yeah. It definitely is. The one thing I would say, uh, well, a couple of things. Is like attitude is hugely important. Mm. And attitude from the team leader to attitude from the team. Yeah. And the most important thing is you never lose focus. Because you're going to, a lot of things are going to knock you to pull you back into maybe the old ways, the old things. You have to always maintain your focus. And if you always put the people that support you at the center of every decision you make, that keeps your focus. Then you're dealing with attitude of management because you're, you're, in, a, you're in a chain of command, really. Yeah. And if the person above you, the manager above you, is not buying in, what you're doing, or into this approach, you're going nowhere. So the management attitude towards what they're doing and support, you need that support. You will not achieve anything without support of management. And management, from my experience, they're human like the rest of us. If they see results, they will support you. Uh, budgets are usually important. <laughs> If you, if, you, if you put in a, a large dose of common sense to what you're doing, and if you're not kind of silly with budgets and waste of money and this kind of stuff, and if you have a build-up of good relationship with your manager, keep them informed. The manager's not going to be visiting the house every day. You don't have to be talking to them every day. But if you an honest relationship with your manager, Good, the bad, the ugly. And I think that's one way of keeping them on board. As regards HICWA, like our inspection, we have had three inspections of HICWA now. The last one was the end of last year. That's a very different experience than the first inspection we had. HICWA have also recognized what, what we try and do with our sector. And even from the very first inspection, I know the guy came there, was an English guy came. And there were certain things, there are very small things, but there are certain things we wanted the houses to look as normal as possible. Like, you know, you go into a service house, you walk into the door, you can see there's a garage, posters, policies, evacuation plans, how to use this machine, how to use that machine. And the people in the house, many of them can't read. Some of them might be non-verbal. They need absolutely nothing to them. So you try and keep the focus that it's an individual choice. Or you give them the choice. Do you want this to go up in your wall or do you want it to go into your wall? And that's what we try to do. So you know yourself within an organization, there's all these practices of keeping daily notes. Every time somebody gets up in the morning to go to bed at night, that's what you're accomplish. So we have to fall in line with that. So I remember the Hickler Inspector came and put an A4 diary in front of him. Just a big A4 diary. Looks like any diary. I said, Do you have a problem? We just record stuff in it. So that's what we were placed all these charts which so sitting on someone's table it just looks like an ordinary diary there are ways around it yeah. as we 
regards, we say all the other posters and stuff will be found in the split area of the house. Yeah, from the walk in summer door, pictures of the family, pictures of whatever the family might choose in the house. Um, but it is focus and the attitude of your team will which because comes you, from the team leader primarily. Well, it comes down the line. <coughs> and we, we've been trying to work. So, as I said, the team's changed a lot. Yeah. It started out with the seven groups at the start. Now we have eight groups going to 11 or 18 teams next year. Yeah. That team has evolved. Some people have moved on naturally. Some people just did not fit with the coach. They were very well mentioned, but could not not sit easy with the idea that someone could walk up the street on their own and, and you know because they're going to get mugged, they're going to get robbed, they're going to get knocked down and these are natural fears and it was better for those people to move on to somebody else you know that's just the way it is. The other thing we have found with a much better balance in our team we don't get to pick our team I don't know anyone that does we don't, we, I didn't get a chance to sit down and say I want you know who I want but with, with management we have changed the team now got um, a better gender balance in the team. Not a male, there was two, uh, two girls joining in the last two years and that made a huge difference. The training of the team has taken the focus. Training is hugely important. We're very fortunate out of the eight people we have so far. Um, two are going through, will have their full degrees by next year. One guy works part-time with me, he's got a master's. And then three more of us have got our uh, degrees as well. So there's a very high level of education there as well. And so people are looking, you know, they've bought into it, they understand it. Um, that has helped keep the focus. But primarily, I would say, in maintaining it, the biggest thing would be the relationship you have with your manager. That's part of our team progress, our building trust. Team trust. progress, yes. building trust, and to keep things funded. You know, and managers change, as you know that, yes. and they can actually change the whole focus as well. You know? So we're looking so far with that. Yes. And as long as our relationship remains, I suppose we can keep, keep pushing things on. And then, of course, to keep your support. They're demanding it now as well, isn't it? They're looking to do things. They've learned to learn. They've learned that. Like, I, don't, I don't know if any one of those men would voluntarily go back into their position. You know, their voices, they've got stronger, they've got more confidence in themselves. We were talking about this before we started the conversation. The biggest support for me now is just the confidence in themselves. You know, men themselves have been so confident in what they do. And tell me, Vincent, if there was one or two things that you would do differently from this experience, you're starting again. Yeah. What would you do differently, if anything? Well, it's funny, they, they, we have a potentially new man coming now. Yeah. For a visit. Must come in and he's going to do hopefully a progress by visit.
want to thank you for telling us about your service and great initiative and uh, more power to you and the best of luck with it as it continues. Thanks very much. Yeah, look, it is, it is a good service. Uh, we have a good team there. Uh, it's keep focus. And if I were to pick one word out of the whole experience, and that is competence. If you can focus on building a person's competence, and very briefly, I just say to anybody, just look at your own life and look at all of the things that has developed or impacted your confidence through your life, through your family, your education, your relationships, uh, through sport, through whatever it is you do, even the course you're on at the moment. Now compare that to the experience of the person you're supporting and all of the things in their life. What has built their confidence? So compare it to your own. And I guarantee you the list would be very, very small from the person you're supporting today. And if you come up with ideas that can build confidence, confidence is something, it's almost like putting a drop of dye into water. It doesn't stay in the one spot. It seeps to all aspects of your life. And if you can do that, that'll stop going today. And it takes time. It takes time. Everything takes time. And just very quickly on transition, there is no end to transition. Yeah. You start a transition, there is no end to it. These men are still in transition. I am in transition. The team is in transition. These men may move on and may transition to another part, another service, another part of their life. There's no end to transition. It doesn't, it doesn't stop. Other than that, um, best luck to everybody. Thank you very much, Mr. Meet again. No problem. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay.